Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Monday, January 11th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We have a playoff opponent for the Chiefs, and probably not the one you were expecting heading into the wild card round of the NFL playoffs. The Cleveland Browns are coming to Arrowhead Stadium, and we're here for the first look. And by we, I mean star columnist Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian and beat writer Sam McDowell. We jump right into the storyline, starting with Kareem Hunt, the former Chiefs running back, now with the Browns. And how about John Dorsey, who served as general manager for both organizations, and his eye for talent. He oversaw the acquisitions of players like Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, many, many more. We also get into the Mahomes-Mayfield matchup, the wild card weekend observations, and much more. What started as a Sports Beat Live is now, through the magic of our producers, a Sports Beat KC podcast. So let's get started. Hey, a happy Monday morning from Kansas City. Welcome to Sports Beat Live, where we talk Chiefs. And thanks for joining us on uh, on the rare Monday show. Uh, we usually wait till Thursday to talk Chiefs, but we could not wait. Uh, to talk about the, the Chiefs-Browns playoff matchup, the, the AFC playoff, NFC, NFL playoff started this weekend, and we had to wait until the, the last game to determine who the Chiefs are going to play in the divisional round. We know it is now the Cleveland Browns, and we talk Chiefs with you. Please join us with your questions and comments and with the people who know this team the best, and that is uh, beat writer Sam McDowell, and columnist Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian. Good morning, gentlemen. What's up? Hey. Good morning. And uh, we are uh, often, in fact, I can't remember the last time we didn't have Herbie T.O.P. here, but he's not here this morning. He had a conflict. So somehow we will muddle through uh, this discussion um, about the Chiefs. And I got to tell you, fellas, that when the weekend started and I was looking at the possibilities for Chiefs playoff opponents in the divisional round, um, there were four of them, right? There were the Ravens, the Titans, the Browns, and the Colts. And if I were to assign a percentage chance of the, the teams that the Chiefs were going to play, I might have had the lowest percentage assigned to the Browns. But here we are. Chiefs and Browns. Um, and, of course, like I said, we had to wait until – deep into Sunday night to, to get this thing determined. It could have been over, right? We could have known Saturday afternoon had the Colts found a way to beat the Bills. Didn't happen. And um, and so here we are. I, I The first thing that comes to mind for me are the, the terrific storylines in this game. Uh, Kareem Hunt uh, started his career with the Chiefs. John Dorsey, who's been a general manager for both the Chiefs and the Browns. How about... Patrick Mahomes versus Baker Mayfield, all sorts of great storylines that we can talk about and we'll talk about today and throughout the week. Let's pick one. Um, let's, let's start with, uh, how about if we just start with Kareem Hunt and, um, and, and let's, let's remember his great rookie season with the Chiefs and why he's no longer a member of the Chiefs. And Sam Mellinger, I, I believe, I don't know if you heard this, but I believe there was a, a comment from Kareem Hunt uh, after the game last night that pointed toward this weekend's game with the Chief, Chiefs. Yeah, th- that video, by the way, uh, is kind of weird. Like, he's by himself. Like, there's no other, like, where are his teammates celebrating with him? You know, it's just sort of like, <laughs> personal for you, uh, everybody else just scattered. 
you know, um, it's just, it's just a weird, a weird visual. Um, yeah, I mean, th- that's one also uh, that, you know, Browns PR would like to have that one back. <laughs> yeah, I just keep thinking about that. Like, but the, the Browns version of, of Brad G or, or, or Ted Cruz is just kind of, mm, Korean. Yeah. <laughs> that one in the holster, buddy. Well, so why, like, is it, uh, why is it personal? What, what, what was that about? Because, well, I mean, look, like, um, if we were to rank the top 100 uh, delusional ways that an athlete gets himself motivated for a game, like this would be nowhere near the list. <laughs> you know, like uh, this, this is this is what they do. Uh, it, it's what you know people in, in other walks of life do too. I mean, it's look like I, it's been is it three years? Was it, it was or no? Yeah, twenty eighteen. Two, two seasons, two and a half. Yeah, it was the eighteenth. Yeah, it was the eighteenth. Like a week, I think week eleven. They were about to go to play the Raiders. Right, yeah. they're getting on a plane the to Raiders. go play Oakland. Yeah, so that's a long time for um, for anybody, any human to to grow. Um, you know, and I'm not saying like Kareem has or hasn't done that, but it's also a chance for you know you, you sort of you revisionist, you know. And I, I think he's probably gone down that road. But there is no logical way that you could look at the facts um, and and think that the Chiefs screwed over Kareem Hunt in in any way. Uh, the the Chiefs get mad when I say this, but I say it because it's true. They did not kick him off the team. They did not release him because of what was on the video. Um, they, they released him because he lied about what was on the video and did it repeatedly, emphatically, and to some of the most respected people in the organization. That That's why they cut him. Yeah, that video didn't surface until week 11, and that's why action yeah. was taken. Even though the incident occurred, as I recall, back in the winter, like uh, January or or February. Um, is that how you recall it, Bahe? Yeah, I call it that way. And, and you know, just real quick on the uh, the video thing, the thing that is kind of funny about it is Sam pointed this out in a different aspect, but like just going along on other stuff and he's got to drop in the personal thing and then go back to other stuff. He just, just yeah. sort of pops it in there. Um, and, you know, Sam McDowell and I had a little exchange about this last night. And, and I think that at least I don't want to speak for Sam McDowell, but my feeling about him dropping it in like that is, you know, the implication is that he was done wrong. That, that's a little of the implication. Probably, though, no matter what, this week, of course, it's personal to some degree. He's playing against the team that brought him into the NFL. He probably has relationships uh, in some way in that locker room. He just might have wanted to think about the phrasing, and, and maybe you don't do that in the euphoria of a post-game locker room while you're dancing around by yourself. So, um and, anyway, that, but that, you're right, Blair. That that's definitely how we remember the the timing of it. You know, there's an expression, and I may not be using it quite right, but that you know, it's not possible to break the law. It's only possible to break yourself against the law. And in a little bit of a way, that's that's what the Kareem Hunt situation was, right? He did this stuff. He lied about it. He kind of broke himself in this, and that's why he, that's why he got cast away. Yeah. Look. Um a player is going to do what a player has to do to get himself motivated and say what he has to say to, to, to get himself up for, for a game. And you're right. And, and that's exactly right. By that was a euphoric moment for the Browns, uh, an unbelievable moment for that franchise. Uh, and look, if, if, uh, if you're an NFL fan without a rooting interest in, in the, um, you know, in games or a team, you're really happy for the Cleveland Browns to, <clears throat> to see what they did last night, knowing their history and, not just in the playoffs, but against Pitt, Pittsburgh in particular, it's a great, great moment for that for that organization in that city. And look, whatever Kareem Hunt said last night, it doesn't spoil it, but it does 
create a storyline for this week. It was always going to be there, right? Kareem Hunt and uh, and and the, and the Chiefs, but uh, but now it, it it's uh, it something else to to explore on on uh, on that front. You know, I, I find myself wondering, um, Sam McDowell, what what the Chiefs might be like if Kareem Hunt, you know, if this had never happened. You know, he he led the NFL in rushing as a rookie in 2017. Uh, the last year, Alex Smith was the quarterback. So Mahomes comes in 2018 and has his remarkable year. But but by week 11 or whatever that was, Kareem Hunt still had, um, you know, had, had, I don't, he was not on his way to lead the league in rushing, but he piled up a lot of yards. And, um, and and after he left, the Chiefs were left with, I think, Spencer Ware and Damian Williams and uh, others to, to fill in that, uh, that, fill that role that was being held down by, a great find in the draft by the Chiefs. Yeah, I think a, a lot of things would look different if this team had Kareem Hunt. And most notably, it's a situation that we talk about all the time, which is them at the goal line and third and one, fourth and one, those sorts of situations. I mean, um, there, there was, you, you know, what was so weird about Kareem Hunt to me is when he went into the locker room, he didn't strike you as this like formidable presence sort of guy, but Man, on the field, that's certainly how he plays. I mean, I mean, he bowls over defenders. He does not get moved backwards on first contact. And that's something the Chiefs are obviously going to have to deal with this week. But they don't have, they've never had that guy since Kareem Hunt left. So purely from a football perspective, do they miss Kareem Hunt? I think so. I, I, you know, I think they, I still think they miss Damien Williams this year. Um, they, they had a, a pretty good one two thing going uh, as they found out later in that year that Damien Williams brought us a little something different than Kareem Hunt brought. And sure. I mean, I, I think it's, it's fair to wonder what, what this running back uh, situation would look like if they had those two guys. You know, look, Cleveland's doing a heck of a job, right. With, uh, with, with Chubb and, and, and Kareem Hunt. So that's they were, they finished third in the NFL in rushing this year. That is a good, absolutely an issue for the Chiefs to contend with uh, for the game on Sunday. Didn't even mention that. Game is Sunday, 2 o'clock Central at Arrowhead Stadium. By the it's, way. It's, it's 2.05, Blair. I, I wrote I wrote 2 o'clock and then a preview story late last night, and I can't tell you the number of emails I got that said it's 2.05, which, you know what, I actually appreciated that that many people are paying that close attention. <laughs> well, yeah. 205 then we'll uh, we'll correct that and actually it's probably 206 in 30 seconds or something to be, <laughs> to be honest um, but uh, uh, so it look he's uh, he's gotten the end zone a couple times last night against the Steelers and uh, but I, I think it's interesting that Nick Chubb is the uh, he's more the alpha dog in that Cleveland backfield than, than Kareem Hunt I just I remember Kareem Hunt as a um, a punishing runner. I mean, he just really looked for contact and, and, and enjoyed the contact. And um, it's one time I can't remember who it was against, but led with his cleat uh, when he went up in the air. I can't remember who who he kicked, but he was uh, might might have gotten a penalty for that. And 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 I rem I'll never forget his first game in a Chiefs uniform. The good New England to open the 2017 season. He goes nuts, right? Sets the NFL record for. Uh, I think it was 248 total yards receiving and rushing by a, uh, by a player in his first game. And after the game, he seemed kind of surprised that people wanted to talk to him about it. I don't know what he was expecting or not expecting. He just seemed so unassuming about it. And um, it, when, when the throng of reporters got over there, it was like he'd be kind of deer in the headlights. He's, really? You want to talk to me? 
hell yeah, I want to talk to you. Heck of a game. So <laughs> he was um, worried you were going to ask him about the fumble only. That's right. That's right. I mean, what a, what a incredible game for him because his first carry, his first NFL carry started with a lost fumble. I don't know if he's fumbled since. I'm pretty sure he didn't in a Chiefs uniform. Um, I don't know if that's happened uh, in Cleveland since. So, um, of course, the other the other delicious storyline here is John Dorsey. John Dorsey, um, who was released from both organizations, but not until he you know helped build the roster for both of them. And you can you can say uh, and rightfully so, John is responsible, or he was the general manager that oversaw the drafts and the player acquisitions for guys like Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Baker Mayfield. Um, he was the, you know, he, he went out and got, he got Kareem Hunt in the trade, uh, Nick Chubb, the draft of Chubb. So, uh, Jarvis Landry now, Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett, absolutely. What, what a couple of fantastic, um, you know, uh, rosters that he, he built. And this game is an homage to John Dorsey as much as, as it is anybody, except I don't know where John Dorsey is going to watch the game from, um, uh, maybe his basement or, um, uh, but, but what a, um, if a team's looking for still looking for a general manager, what a great advertisement uh, Sunday's playoff game is for uh, a, a guy who, um, who who built a couple of playoff level rosters. Fahey is um, I, my guess is you're going to try to reach out to John this week. But um, uh, what strikes you about the John Dorsey Bowl? Well, what what strikes me about it is that that I won't reach John Dorsey. <laughs> Nobody uh, does. I, I suspect there's a chance that John Dorsey is in, in uh, uh, the Northland at, at his uh, location where he says he has to go up to the top of a hill to get, get his cell phone uh, connection. Um, of course, he may be also wanting to be contacted by people. I, I'm not exactly sure of the state of uh, the job possibilities. It, look, it is interesting, Blair. You're right. It is an homage to John in a lot of ways, but it also is a reminder that John doesn't have a job and that neither organization kept him. Um, and, you know, so that I think no matter uh, how much cred this gives them, it also will lead to uh, I, I shouldn't say lead to. I'm sure there's great scrutiny of what went wrong for him in each place, too. So it'd be it'd be interesting to talk to him. I don't know. Sam Mellinger, you've had some contact with him maybe since I have last. But I, I, he doesn't still have a place in Kansas City, does he? I don't think so. Um, I, I don't know that for sure, but I um, I don't think so. I, I I, that Door County thing, like I, I, I would imagine that's that's where he is. Except, I'm not sure that's a, a great place to be. I, I love winter, um, but I don't know that that's a great place to be right now. Uh, but John, like I, John has been mentioned, right? Like with some GM openings yeah. as a guy that teams are interested in, and I'm sure he'd like to uh, be a GM again. And you're right, Blair. I mean, like <laughs> if, they're, if they're reaching out, you know, he might just say like you know, t- turn on the TV at, at 205. There's my resume. <laughs> there's my resume. Yeah. Uh, check the stats, you know, and, and, but John has always been, uh, and he came to Kansas city with that reputation, just being like sort of a, a next level talent evaluator, you know, like I think in a lot of ways, like people like us make too much out of, you know, this guy's a better talent evaluator than this other guy. I think there's a lot of luck involved. I think there's a lot of teamwork involved when, when it's done right. But John has every – there's a lot of, you know, decisions you can point to that, that there's something different about him. Like, in, in his, he's got misses, 
you know, everybody does, but there's something different about his ability to evaluate. But, you know, it's been a problem with managing people, um, you know, and, and I want to like nothing nefarious. I've never heard of anything, you know, illicit or anything like that, but just, you know, uh, not the best manager of a department. And, uh, you know, you'd like to think, I always like to think that people learn from mistakes and evolve and all that, but uh, those are two red flags, you know, uh, at least as being a GM. Um, you know, if, if somebody could get him to be an AGM, you know, to uh, yeah. you know, lead the, just the college, you know, just run a draft, um, that'd be a hell of a thing. But I don't know what he wants. But that, that, look, I mean, that's that's a pretty good. There, there's a people that work their entire lives in football and do good work and don't get anywhere near the accomplishment that, that John's had already. You know, I, I remember back to the the, the Baker Mayfield draft. Um, and, and Blair, just your coverage of, of college sports here probably remembers this even better. But wasn't it? It was Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen that a lot of people thought would be the number one overall pick, and he went with Baker Mayfield instead. And I, I still think you you could argue the jury's out on exactly what kind of big, what kind of player that that Baker Mayfield's going to fully develop into. But we've certainly seen Josh Allen take a, a step this year forward, and I don't think that's out of the question that Baker Mayfield could do something like that d- down the line. But he definitely made the right decision in, in, in selecting him over the two guys I mentioned that were also in that number one class, which which was Josh Rosen and, and Sam Darnold. Yeah, of course, Allen was in that draft, right? He was the seventh, yeah. uh, the seventh overall pick. Uh, if I remember this right, Baker Baker went first. Uh, Darnold did Darnold go three? Um, three, or three or four. I'm looking at it right now. It's, yeah. it's a loaded draft. Saquon Barkley went second. Um, Chubb was in that. And then the, the, oh, the Bradley did. Chubb was in that draft. Yeah, yeah. Bradley Chubb, uh, Denzel Ward, the the Browns took fourth overall, turned into a good player, obviously, and then they they got Nick Chubb um, early in the second round. So but it, it was, that, that draft was loaded. Lamar Jackson, um, thirty two. You know, yeah, he was the last quarterback taken. It was the last player taken in the first round, and and uh, and the fifth yeah. quarterback, right? Because uh, um, yeah, it was it was it was Allen Darnold. Uh, uh, t- uh, Rosen. Rosen and, and, and Jackson. So, um, uh, and it's and along with Mayfield. So it turns out to be a, a heck of a draft. Now you throw in, you know, you throw in, uh, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson from Watson from the previous draft. And you're looking at, at least in the AFC now, right. Especially after watching yeah. Roethlisberger last night and, and, and Philip Rivers unable to, to get his team downfield in, in, in the final couple minutes against Buffalo, you're looking at the quarterbacks, absolutely the the future of AFC quarterbacks anyway, uh, aren't we? I mean, that's um, this may be – talking about next gen, this is – I think this is what – I saw a tweet last night that Mayfield's the oldest of those four. <laughs> Mayfield, is, uh, in his third year in the NFL, is the oldest of the four quarterbacks left in the AFC. I think that's kind of wild. <laughs> that is surprising. Yeah, these four and two. Yeah, Herbert and then uh, Trevor Lawrence will probably be part of the future of the AFC as well. Yeah, good point. That's a really good point, Sam. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, um, uh, the other thing about John Dorsey, before we leave that topic, I just wanted to uh, g- give him props for finding the talent in the later rounds. I always thought that was a mark of a John Dorsey. You know, to find Travis Kelsey in the – he was a third-rounder, I believe, right? Um Mitch Morris in the second round, um, you know, Tyreek Hill was it's kind of a, you have to put him in a different category because there were just some teams that were absolutely not going to draft him, but he went in the fifth round. 
And I'll never forget that the, maybe the favorite story, draft story of John Dorsey um, in terms of finding a, a gem in the late rounds was Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. Dor- Dorsey just loved talking about how, you know, the Chiefs were one of the very few teams that were on LDT and, uh, you know, went to Montreal several times to scout him and to test him. And they ended up drafting him, I believe, in the sixth round. And and so that was uh, John always enjoyed talking about LDT, uh, and turned out to be a terrific, you know, terrific draft pick. In, in yeah, where he did, I, you're just making me smile thinking of like I think the first words we ever heard from John about LDT were like, "You're going to like talking to this guy." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Another little minor storyline uh, in, in this game. The, the Browns' offensive line is terrific, right? Um Conklin was first team all pro. They've got two two on the both guards were second team all pro. Conklin went off the field with an injury, hamstring injury. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see how 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 he is for this week. Uh, do you know who the offensive line coach is for the Cleveland Browns? By your silence, I will take that as you don't know. I do not. It's Bill Callahan, the the former Nebraska head coach, who uh, you know ex- maybe except for that time uh, with the Huskers. And, of course, he was a head coach of the Raiders for a while, was in the Super Bowl with the Raiders when they lost to the Tampa Bay Bucks. He's really been an offensive line coach his entire life. And um, I I just uh, – talk about a guy who's probably in in the right spot and and doing the right thing versus trying to be a head coach. Um, It's Bill Callahan. He is – I hope he does – hope he doesn't have head coaching aspiration after this, but he's – he has done a great job shaping the offensive line in Cleveland, and look, that's that's going to be an issue for the Chiefs. Um, any any team that with a strong offensive line, think of the Raiders, um, you know, can can really control the clock and um, and, and and keep Chiefs uh, Patrick Mahomes and the offense off the field. I, I think that's I think that's a big strength of the Browns. And assuming we all watched some of that game last night, we're to, and we'll get into this in a bigger way on Thursday, but just sort of a first thought on where the Browns can can hurt the Chiefs. Um, Sam McDowell, what do you think? Yeah, that's that's number one for me. You know, Pro Football Focus ranks them as the best running block, run blocking unit in the NFL and the best pass blocking unit in the NFL. Um, and and next gen stats show that Baker Mayfield gets more time to throw the football than any other quarterback in the league. And so we, you mentioned it. I mean, when when the Chiefs don't get home from the defensive line, they struggle defensively. And we've seen the Chiefs not get home as often this year as they did last year. You know, I think they're 22nd in the NFL this year in hurry percentage, even though they blitz a, a fair amount. Uh, they've only had 32 sacks all year. And to me, and there might be a story coming on this later this week, but the 
the defensive line is 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 one of the primary keys to how far this team can go this year. Uh, you know, obviously Patrick Mahomes, we all know that. We all know enough about the offense, but I think the defensive line is going to have to make some more plays than they did in the regular season to, to keep this thing going this year. Absolutely. Um, so the Chiefs have had success against some of the the older quarter, elder statesman quarterbacks, right? Um, they, they they beat Tom Brady, they beat Drew Brees, um, they and the younger ones earlier this year beat Josh Allen, beat Lamar Jackson. This is a, this is the second time the Chiefs will have squared off against Baker Mayfield. They played the Browns. In 2018, it was one of Kareem Hunt's last games with the Chiefs. Not the last, but I think one of the last games. They went up to Cleveland and won. And um, uh, and so uh, Baker Mayfield was actually pretty good that game. Threw for about 300 yards and a couple of touchdowns. And um, I, However, I don't remember the offensive line being you know big for Cleveland that year. It is now, and they're really a key to their success. So... Um, uh, are we? Is, is there some encouraging? Are there some encouraging signs about the way the Chiefs' defense has played the last the last couple of games or last few games of the regular season? Um, they, they they lost in the in the close victory over the the Falcons. Was I thought the defense played pretty well that game and uh, and against Matt Ryan and, the, and that Falcons offense. Um, uh, Frank Clark's had a couple of you know couple of sacks in the last couple of games he played. Do we? Tyron Matthew, All Pro safety. Are we, it should should the Chiefs start feeling a little bit better about the way the defense has played the last few weeks of the of when, when the starters played? I, I I think I think you can. I, I think it's a little bit of the Rorschach test thing, right? You can find some stuff that you don't like there, but I, you know, a moment that really stuck out to me in that Falcons game, and and, and this is sort of how I've come to see the defense is. After Tyree Kill chased down, uh, uh, I can't remember who had the interception, but after he chased him down. And that was sort of a pivot point in the game. The next two plays were chief sacks. Um, and I, I, to me, I, I, I've just kind of come to think they're, they're, they're a come-through kind of team um, on both sides of the ball. And I, 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 so at that and, you know, $4.75 will get you a cup of coffee. But, but I, I, I feel like that's who they are right now. Used to be a quarter um, for that cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah, and if you get the senior break, you can still get it for like fifty cents at McDonald's. Uh, I, unfortunately, somebody misunderstood my age once, and that happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's who they showed this over to be down the stretch last year. Was uh, you know they sort of like a clutch pass rush defense, which I've never really heard of before. Um, and maybe I'm making up a term, but it sure like, and you never know. Is that luck? You know, is it just like sort of happenstance? That's when they're got, you know, they happen to beat the guy in front of them. Or is there something strategic going on? Either Frank Clark, Chris Jones, Alex Ogafor, whoever saving their best rushes for these moments. Is it Steve Spagnolo, you know, with, with the right blitz at the right time? I don't know, but I, I, I've never heard of that before. You, you hear about like clutch shooter in basketball, you know, like whatever. I just never heard of a clutch pass rushing unit, but that's, that's who these guys have, have shown themselves to be. I also think about how much different. Um, Frank Clark was last year in the postseason after he had, you know, they got the bye. I thought that was just critical for him and, and Patrick Mahomes, both of them. And now he's had three weeks, right? 20, it'll be 21 days yeah. Um, to, yeah. to get right for, for three more games. And I don't know. I mean, he, he's certainly been underwhelming. Um, you know, I thought the Falcons game was probably his best game of the season, maybe since 
I thought he was really good against the Texans in the opener, actually. But um, anyway, one one of his best games of the season against the Falcons. So you never know. I, I thought that was the defense's best all around game. You know, maybe you know the Jets and the Broncos. Eh, I don't I don't know what to make of, the, of those games, but they got all these stops right when they needed. The offense was struggling, and the defense came through over and over again. If you look back at uh, Saints, Dolphins, Bucks, maybe I'm forgetting about somebody. A game, but uh, the Chiefs were really good defensively for about three quarters, maybe three plus, and then they, you know, gave up 14 points in, in the fourth quarter, which you can't do. But if you think about really good for three quarters, then put it together for four at the end, you know, as a former Chiefs coach might say, you know, the arrow is is pointing up for that unit. So who knows? Um, who knows? But um, you know, I. I I, I also think that the Chiefs are going to be able to give up some points and still beat the Browns because that's, uh, uh, you know, as good as Miles Garrett is, that secondary can be had. Hey, just a quick numbers thing I, I that, that makes me feel like this game might be a little like that Mahomes-Baker-Mayfield game that we're going to hear about again this week. <laughs> you know, the Browns scored an NFL record 28 points in the first quarter, you know, just lightning, right? They had some help with the turnovers but also gave up 501 passing yards to a statuesque Ben Roethlisberger. So I, I think it's going to be, uh, it might be more about, uh, you know, who just outlasts the other with the, the, the um, video scoring machine that this might be. That's a trend too, Vahe. I mean, this is a team that gives up a lot of passing yards. Uh, the eight teams left in the playoffs, they have the worst passing defense and, if the Seahawks and, and Titans had made it, they'd have the worst of any of them that, that qualified. And they also give up big plays. So it's, to me, it's, 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 it's a little bit of a dream matchup for Patrick Mahomes. If you're, you know, obviously there's no easy teams in the playoffs, but of the eight left, I think this is the best pa- matchup for Patrick Mahomes. You know, you mentioned Miles Garrett. They've got a guy on the other side of, of the defensive line, Oliver Vernon, that had a fantastic year and he's out. And they don't have a lot of guys now outside of Miles Garrett that get that can get home. And I just wonder if the chiefs will be able to help neutralize Garrett a little bit by, by shading some of his attention his way now. Got a lot of good comments here. Let's get to a few of them. Uh, Colin Levac, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Colin actually gets to watch this live for once. Thanks. Um, appreciate you tuning in. Um, check us out on Thursday as well. We'll be back on, on Thursday. Uh, Brian Johnson says we're preparing for our third Super Bowl trip if we still had Hunt. Interesting comment uh, suggesting that, uh, the, that with Hunt, the Chiefs would have beaten the Patriots in the 2018 AFC Championship game. I, I think that's I think that's fair to suggest. Um, Jesse Bates wants to know if there's any updates on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. We'll know that at uh, uh, noonish today. That's when we meet with Andy Reid, and I think there's a. Sam McDowell, what are the percentage chances that we'll get information from Andy Lee that'll let us know if Clyde Edwards-Alaire is uh, healthy? I think by Wednesday we will, but um, you know, I, I think it's 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 moving in the right direction. There, there's been progress there to where it's it's possible that that we could see Clyde Edwards-Alaire back for for this game this week. Okay. Hey, uh, one one little other subject I wanted to cover, and it's it's about the first round, the wild card round in general, a couple of things. First of all, did anybody watch the Nickelodeon version of Saints-Bears? I, I didn't. I turned over after I saw all the fuss, uh, excuse me, and uh, it was really fun. It was really fun. I, I, 
I don't know how everybody else felt about it, but uh, I, it, my wife Cindy really got into it in a, in a whole different way. Um, so that that's something appealed to her sense of humor. Well, I, the, the slime in the end zone uh, for the uh, after the touchdowns, and then the real the real slime on Sean Payton uh, in in victory. I thought were very nice touches, and it's a smart smart thing to do for the NFL. To uh, why not? Listen, if you didn't, if that's not your uh, cup of tea, you could have gone to CBS to to watch. Uh, but uh, Nance and Romo, and uh, but uh, I thought it was a fun, a good idea by the NFL, and uh, and I, I think we'll. Uh, I think the reviews will be positive for uh, for that. How about the decisions to punt uh, near or around midfield by Mike Vrabel in the Titans-Ravens game and Mike Tomlin last night uh, against the Browns, both teams trailing in the fourth quarter, um, both with fourth and short. I think Tomlin's was fourth and one at midfield. And Vrabel might have been fourth and two on just on his side of midfield, and those guys punting. I, 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 if I'm a fan of the Steelers or the Titans, I'm screaming, screaming at the television set. Sam Elliger, did you uh, did you catch those? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think there's a reason that, that you're asking me specifically. <laughs> you know what I thought about that? I know. But, I know. Uh, yeah, I did the same thing. I'm not a fan of you know, either of those teams. And I was screaming and it, it those are two really good coaches. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those, those are two of the better, best coaches in the NFL, I think. And I, I, I don't know. Uh, th- there's so much information. I think um, coaches are smart. They, all this stuff, but it just, that's a spot where, especially like a lot of good coaches seem to be very far behind on what is proven, what has evidence of giving a team the, the best chance to win. And I, I don't know which one was worse. Um, you know, that's uh, – you can make an argument for either because they were both horrendous. But I, I just – I don't know. You, you're not giving your, yourself a chance to win. There, there, there's so much, like, conservative uh, thinking um, just sort of baked into the football culture. And, you know, people like John Harbaugh really stick out. Uh, you know, when, when they make decisions the way that they do, I, I just, I, I don't get it. I'll never understand it. Um, I think those guys need to evolve. And I say that with all due respect. I mean, th- these are <laughs> again, like top shelf coaches, I, I think, but God, that's a glaring, just a glaring weakness. There. To, to layer onto that. I mean, because Sam's right, those are both really good football coaches and you know that they put so much time into the X's and O's of the game, the matchups, best preparing their team, and just to leave that as a blind spot doesn't make a lot of sense to me because that stuff matters just as much as the X's and O's a lot of times. You know, Ben Baldwin on on, on Twitter, you guys should follow him, but he, he has a fourth down model on every single fourth down decision. And the Steelers' decision cost them a 7% chance to win the football game last night. That is a big deal. What other play, uh, play call or play design is going to have that big of a sway on the game? I mean – I think the Steelers could win the game last night if they go for it, and especially the same with the Titans. I thought that was the more egregious one. Between the two of you guys, you probably could create your own index for this, and and maybe your formula is better. But I, I'm on to this. My, my formula would just my formula would just say go for it. I wouldn't look at the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I'm not even really sure how much. Uh, 
uh, uh, we should all give credence to surrender index, but I've kind of been following that. And it, it, it says that that uh, the Pittsburgh deciding to punt on that fourth and one uh, had a surrender index of 9.29 uh, ranking of the 94th percentile of cowardly punts of the 2020 season. <laughs> and the the Titans one was number one of I, the Titans. Oh. The, yeah. The Titans one was even worse. It was in the 99th percentile. <laughs> Uh, Brian LaBerge points out that uh, both Tomlin and Vrabel defensive coaches entrusted their defenses in, in that situation. I go back to week two. Avahe, you and I are out in L.A. and the and the Chiefs are struggling against the Chargers, a good Chargers defense. Um, gave, they get the game to overtime, and the Chiefs face a fourth and one. I believe it was from their 46. And it's an overtime, right? Yeah, yeah. Andy Reid goes for it. I believe that's when Darwin Thompson got the call. And uh, right. picked up a couple yards, maybe even a little more, and um, and that led to uh, Harrison Butker's game-winning 58-yard field goal. Andy Reid, offensive-minded coach, um, and the Chiefs. I, I can't think of a maybe, maybe I'm just missing it, but I can't think of an, an occasion this year where they where they punted on fourth down from around midfield, and I just shook my head and say, "Well, why are they doing that? Am I missing something?" Or was was there an no, example? I, mean, I do remember one. I can't remember which game. Are, are you? You got it, McDowell. Well, I was just. I was just going to say that that just to, to follow up on Blair's thing real quick. That was rated as Andy Reid's best fourth down decision of the season. Oh wow! I, I do remember one that I, I kind of disagreed with, but I didn't feel like agree. You know, um, I, I understand where I stand. <laughs> You know what I mean? So I, I understand that I'm, I'm coming to these, you know, as sort of an extremist in some ways. We, so we all of, understand where you stand. So. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I do remember one. Um, and I, I can't remember which game it was. Is it the Broncos game? Mellinger, his his worst decision, I think, yeah. rated yep. of the year yep. was the Broncos game. He kicks a field goal late in the game and probably could have won the game there. Yep. But I will say, you know, Andy Reid, and I, I wrote about this, uh, you know, several weeks ago now it's been, but – um, I think he was rated like like third or fourth in the NFL in fourth down decisions, and he's come a long way because he used to rate negative in that category, below below league average. And you know, he got a guy in 2018, and he's he's moved along with him for for the aggression index. Hey, quick quick flip point too. It, it sort of uh, it, am I remembering this right? In overtime, the Chargers did punt. Correct. That yes, game. that was yeah. rated as. Yeah. Those Raiders one of the worst decisions of the season for any team. Yeah, yeah. And and it was that possession that the that, the Chiefs took over and marched to you know to to around midfield yeah. to get uh, Butker in, in position for the field goal. Yeah. So one team's in the divisional round, the other team's looking for a head coach uh, right now. So, all right, you guys, great conversation to start uh, to start the week and terrific comments from uh, from, from you guys. Thanks a lot and. Uh, for Sam McDowell, Vahe Gregorian, Sam Mellinger, and Herbie Teope, and our producer, Beth Welsh. Thanks for joining us this morning, and we will talk to you again on Thursday. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our production staff and everyone who helps make Sportsbeat KC happen. Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. A tip of the cap to Sam Mellinger, Vahe Gregorian, and Sam McDowell for Talking Chiefs. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we've got another deal for you, especially for those that want a deep dive into the Stars' terrific Chiefs coverage, now the Playoff Edition. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for $0.99 cents a month. 
That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month, unless you cancel. Here's how you get it. You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. Do you want more than just sports coverage? Of course you do. Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. If you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers, you send me an email, bkirkhoff at kcstar.com. I will get you to the right place. So whether it's a sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting in supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening. We'll be back on Tuesday with another episode.